1: so start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash people today. This is a more than just podcast production.
2: So, hey everybody, welcome to episode 331 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Itcher and I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Jaime Lopez, Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And Mark Rubin down in San Jose, California. Luke. More Than Just Code is produced in Toronto, and we also acknowledge that the land we're, on, we're situated on is part of the greater Toronto area land of the Mississaugas of the Credit, Anishinaabe, Chippewa, Haudenosaunee, and the Huron-Wendat peoples. Alrighty. righty. So we'll just start off with some fact check here. Um, I mentioned, uh, I don't know what I said on the show, but I was talking about a gentleman who does, who I follow on, uh, on the uh, YouTube. Uh, his name is Marquis Brown or Marcus Brown, I guess. Uh, but it's uh, his, he goes by MKBHD, which is a little, well, doesn't roll off the tongue quite so well. So I mentioned him last week as, as being one of the people I, he was the one who was doing the unboxing stuff from the, the last event that Apple had before uh, the iPad Pro uh, M1 event and the Mac, iMac M1 event. And the other thing we were talking, yeah, special guests, Evan and Leo were on last weekend or last time we had a show and uh, uh, we couldn't remember what the third thing was that they introduced at the, at the Apple event. And that of course was AirTags. Oh, so, duh. Uh, and I bought, you know, four of them and I've been using my 3D printer to print the whole for them and all that stuff. So we put one in the car because we park on the street here, right? And it's kind of handy. Like you know, we kind of generally you know tell each other where the car is. We only have one car between the two of us, right? And, uh, so we put an air tag in the car so we would be able to find out where we parked the car. That's kind of handy, right? And, uh, I've got visual. Oh, yes, right. And the, uh, the app we were talking about that, that generates, uh, iOS app that generates, uh, QR codes. If you're interested, it's called visual codes app. And that was, I met the developer at WWC 2019 and I've been using it every, now- ever since then to create barcodes for. Things like the podcast, like I think Mark, you were talking about like a business card kind of deal where you could scan uh, a QR code and pass on your information to somebody, right? Mm -hmm. And we were also talking about Better Call Saul, I think in the after show, right? Better Call Saul and uh, Breaking Bad and um, Tiny, I think his name is, uh, the the bodyguard for um, for our pal uh, Saul Goodman was played by Lavelle Crawford and the character is Huel Babineau is the name of the character on the show but I think he goes by Tiny right? So as a follow up um, yesterday um, June 29th uh, 2021 and today's the 30th as we record but on the 29th was the 14th anniversary of the the for sale date of the original og iphone and uh, they covered it on the on the mac break with the rene ritchie and um leo laporte and uh andy anako uh and they they covered uh, they talked about the, the iphone and they sh- and they sh- walked through i'd like to get i have to get a link for the show notes they walked through the uh nine to five apparently had a retrospective with pictures and videos and stuff like that of of the event of you know because were, they, they were talking i don't remember this but you had to go stand in line at the at the apple store or the 18z store to get uh an iphone back in the day like in the those first iphones so there was only a limited amount of them at each store and uh you couldn't order them online and that kind of stuff right so uh, that lasted
0: for a few years it wasn't just right at the beginning yeah
2: no, definitely yeah, yeah. every mm-hmm. every year that they came out with a new phone it was an event right yep. yeah did, when did did you get your first iPhone Mark?
0: The 3G was my first iPhone.
2: Really? Oh, wow. You didn't have the you didn't have the the 2G or the Edge one? no no um, it was uh like silverback gorilla one
0: i believe it was
2: it was originally eight gig maybe it right? was four gig or eight gig yeah came in a big giant box it was
0: that it was this that was the second version though right the first yeah, yeah.
2: 3g was the second version. yeah that's yeah. what
0: I, I had the second version
3: i didn't have the first version
2: yeah but that's why i, yeah. I was surprised i mean 3g was the first one that was officially available in canada mm-hmm. so yeah mm-hmm. what about you Jaime? What was your first one?
3: pretty late in the game compared to you all that was the iPhone 4S in 2011 4S wow that's that's even after Steve
2: Jobs had the big at uh, keynote um, which I was there for actually which was which was kind of fun but uh, yeah no I, I was uh, playing hockey at the time and one of the guys I knew was was into this stuff because he worked for Rogers and uh, he went down to San Francisco and said hey do you want an iPhone I'm like yes so he brought me back an iPhone from San Francisco that he picked up at 18 and t and I think I think I paid like 500 dollars Sparter something like that um and uh yeah and it's funny because i took it out today after watching the, the thing and um, like i've got a 3gs here and i've replaced the battery in it already at least once and it's it won't charge anymore because it wants because the battery spent in it right but so but i pulled up my my original silverback you know eight gigabyte uh phone and uh which by the way we had to unlock them to, to use them in canada because we, we couldn't even um we didn't have enough service for it i think you had to do that with, through the states too right if you, want, you didn't want to use at&t but um it charges and runs and all that kind of stuff. So I can actually, I can actually launch the app and, or launch the phone and use apps and stuff like that. Unfortunately for me, the home button was destroyed by my grandchildren playing with it in the back seat of the car so um, anyway, I, I launch an app and then I have to shut the phone down to quit the app. So mm. it's kind of a drag, but yeah, lots of fun. Good thing it doesn't the, the app doesn't persist between launches, right? So that would suck. Anyway, so that's uh, that's the name of that tune, and um, I didn't oh I did put it here, yeah. So the other part, the other thing they talked about on the show, which is a bit kind of more, I think, uh, widespread,ing other than the fact that we're all here because of the iPhone is the 20th anniversary of WebKit was also yesterday. And um, WebKit was, you know, the uh, Apple's first attempt at building their own browser. You know, John, Don Melt was hired by Scott Forstall to uh, create a browser for the Mac, right? And I think uh, at the time, it, I want to say Gecko was the sort of go-to one, but it, it was larger than... Apparently, the the one they looked at was larger than um, the like the actual code base was larger than all of Mac OS at the time. Uh, Mac OS 10, I guess they called it back then. And uh, so, or yeah, Mac OS 10. And um, so he took the Conqueror, you know, KDE, KHTML browser, and ported it over to to this, and created an open source project called WebKit. And WebKit is now in just about everything, right? It's obviously a big part of, of our world, iOS and Mac, but apparently BlackBerry used a port of it. I think Chromium used for had a port of it for a while. Um, you know, so just about every every mobile device. In fact, Apple, I think they, they make people use WebKit. I heard that them say that on the show today, that even like the Chrome browser on iOS is also using WebKit under the, under the hood. So kind of interesting thing. What do you guys have any comments about WebKit or history of?
0: Not really. I'm kind of surprised it's that old. I'm surprised it predated the iPhone by that much. You know, my, my memory is getting kind of foggy of those days, I guess.
2: Well, we used to, if you remember, the very first Mac OS 10 had um, Explorer was the browser, right? And I think if yep. I remember correctly, Office X was the first, or Office 10, I guess, was the first uh, official um, set of apps that I had that were native on, on the old beta, right? Mm-hmm. So I think Apple had to deal with, with I mean, I think it, can't, it sort of wrote off that sort of, you know, controversy uh bill gates microsoft investing in apple in their in their low point right uh, when jobs came back you know mm. just before the, the imac so yeah the, i think the um explorer browser was was a big part of of uh, of those days, right? Yep. I'm trying to remember when, like, when the first iMac, when the Bondi Blue Mac uh, iMac came out, the, it didn't, it didn't have Safari. Right? Safari what was 20 years ago. Would be, does that work out? it was like no, 98, iMac. 99 when the
0: when the Blue iMac came out,
2: didn't it? Wasn't it? Uh, yeah, I want to say 9. Well, jo- I remember I was in Vancouver 96, 97. So that's when Jobs came back. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think uh, no, no, yeah, yeah, you're right. It was around 90 98 maybe. That the uh, I have to I'm have to look it up but i think 98 98 around that time yeah i think you're right around that time was when the bondi blue mac first came out right mm. and then the rainbow max came after that but uh but i don't i don't recall if safari was where was safari then let's have a quick have a quick gander at the
0: old uh wikipedia here while you're looking at that up we just had an earthquake
2: you had an earthquake just now, just now. yeah oh
0: wow cool yeah Little one, not a big deal. Yeah. I'm looking online now to see if there's any any record of it to find out how big it was, but it, they're not even talking about it. So it's too small to even worry about.
2: Okay, So the PowerPC based on Mac, what came out August 15th, 1998, 22 years ago, that had a G3 processor in it, right? And um, let's see, when did Safari come out? Well, Safari obviously came out 20 years ago, which is that work out to uh, 2001, right? Yeah. 2021 minus 20 is 2001. Thanks for helping, guys.
3: <laughs> I went off on a little tangent to look up because uh, you mentioned the Chrome browser thing. Um, yeah. Chrome Chromium did use WebKit early on, um, but it yeah. looks like back in 2013, 2014 is when they split off from that. They forked and created Blink, which is the browser mm. engine, buying Chromium-based browsers and crew chrome and microsoft edge and opera apparently opera yes right
2: is opera no longer using webkit Not according to this comparison of browser engines page on wikipedia cool all right and uh, yeah so safari just for science came out in 2003 and that uh, was in panther first, first first operating system it appeared in oh yeah cool it's built in webkit and nitro whatever nitro is so there you go that's the history of and the fact checky thing oh we have one more thing in fact check though, and that is and i just put this here in fact check because we always talk about this kind of things in this area iphone 12 apparently has hit 100 million estimated 100 million uh devices sold um and it's sort of having a iphone 6 moment is what the article says here in terms of sales it's quite a bit eh anything super cycle they're calling it
0: Kind of interesting that that this happened during the pandemic. I wonder if you'd almost think that people would be less likely to go buying phones when they were stuck at home because they're not really out and about. But on the other hand, for a lot of people, the phone is like their main way of communicating with people. So if they can't see people in person, they're on the phone more. So maybe they want the latest and greatest phone. So maybe that drove up demand.
3: Hmm. Yeah. And I think it's been, what, five-ish years since the iPhone 6 came out. Mm -hmm. So if people were holding on to devices for longer... And to your point, Mark, got to a pandemic and said, you know what? This thing is old and junky. I, yeah, I'll, I'll just go ahead and buy a new iPhone this year. Especially because all that money that was saved on not going out, you know, no no restaurant bills. Yeah. No hanging out with your buddies, drinking beers. Yeah, so. not commuting. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. All that disposable income, I guess. The uh, the stimmy maybe had an impact on that. Mm-hmm. The which? The stimulus mm-hmm. in the US. Can't oh. speak around the world. Oh. Uh, mm-hmm. But this report here says that the United States contributed to 40% of the global iPhone 12 Pro Max sales through April. Wow. Which is considerable for for one country in the modern era to contribute for just, you know, that high of a percentage. Yeah, you guys buy a lot of stuff down there in the States. But,
2: you know, it's funny because I wonder, like, obviously, I'm sure the. Android devices still eclipse us, you know, in Asia and Europe, right? Oh, of course. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's still
3: like 15, 20% of the market for the iPhone globally. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Interesting.
2: Yeah. I mean, it talks about 5G and OLED being sort of, I guess, another feature of these devices that makes them attractive. Yeah. Because the the 6 was the first significant form factor, it says here, and pent up demand for large phones. Yeah. We all went out. and I mean, two two out of three of us bought, you know, the plus size 6 when it came out, right? And uh, two out of four, I should say. Yeah, we were all. Let's four see, what year would that very, been? So this
0: is 2004 Musketeers. This is 2021 now, right? So the 12 came out in 2020. Was there an 11s? Math, backward math. Yeah, backward math. Was there an 11s? I don't remember anymore.
2: No, there was 11. Okay, so
0: that would. No, 11 would have been 2019. 10. The 10s was 18, right?
2: What's their 10s? Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah, there was right. a 10s
0: yeah, yeah. and a 10c and 10. 10R, right? 10S, 10R, 10R 10C, right.
2: and then a 10, and then the
0: 10, and then the eight. A 10 would
2: have been three and a bit, three and a bit years ago because my warranty just ran out, right?
0: Well, okay, we've gonna Now you messed us up. Okay, 2020 was the was the 11.
2: There's this site <laughs> called Wikipedia
3: which lists yeah. all this stuff. Yeah, all
0: right,
2: fine. <laughs> <laughs> fine. No, no, you can do your background. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm, no, no, I'm, no, no, I'm no, joined I'm I'm it up, and no.
3: I'm kind of curious if, if you'll get the right date. Yeah, okay. let's uh, see. Let's, let's do let's, it then.
2: Can Mark do it?
0: 2020 can was the 11. 2019 was the was the uh the 10s right 2018 mm-hmm. was the no that can't be right 2018 wasn't the 10 that was too late the 10 was 2000 was earlier than that
3: i'll give a hint there was the weird year that both the 8 and the 10 came out in the same year there is no 9
0: yeah there was no 9 right there was the 8 and the 10 but well, i'm confused now so okay 2020 was the was the 11 no 2020 was the 12 that's right that's that's rough because this is 2021 2000 okay 2020 was the 12 2019 was the 11. 2018 was the 10S. Right. 2017 would have been the, the 8 and the 10. Uh, so 2016 would have been the 7S. Then 2015 would be the 7. 2014 would be the 6S. And then 2013 would be the 6. Hmm.
3: You're close. You're close. So close. Really? The, so close. So I, I see the pattern you were going with. Apple off by one. Through through some some curveballs. So there is no 7S model. Oh,
0: there's no 7S. Oh.
3: So everything shifts by one Get year, it. okay. It was, so no,
0: this podcast started
2: in August of 2014. Mm. Uh, we're coming up on our anniversary, by the way. Mm. Yeah, so we started in 2014. So, by the way, are you guys the, going
0: was, to uh, Denver this summer?
2: I got, have an online ticket. Online so, ticket. Yeah. yeah, I don't. I don't think we're. I don't think we're ready to start flying here in Canada. We just. We just came out of. I think we just went to Plan Two or whatever they call it, mm. Phase Two mm-hmm. of reopening. Mm-hmm. We're ahead of the. We're ahead of the game in terms of uh, the, the required number of people with a single vaccine and double vaccine. I think thirty. Percent of us have two vaccines, and about seventy-five or eighty percent of us have had a first shot. Yeah. So.
0: so here in the Bay Area, we're over eighty percent vaccinated, so we're we're one hundred percent open now, completely. I mean, there's no one hundred percent open. Yeah. But however, uh, there's fear of this new Delta variant. They're talking about. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. talking about maybe starting to. Well, the first thing they're talking about is uh, just requiring masks indoors again.
2: Oh, you're not you're maskless as well.
0: Yeah. Oh, we're it's living living on the edge. We man. are. Yeah. I mean, as far as the law is concerned we are pre-pandemic right now now here in the bay area people still wear masks a lot actually yeah but yeah i think elsewhere they probably don't at all
2: yeah we have we have our you know different theories about i mean a lot of people outside don't wear them i still wear mine even though i'm double vaxxed and um uh, i feel odd going outside without it yeah it's weird but yeah it's weird but the delta variant like i've seen some things and i again i don't want to promote things that i've seen on facebook or heard on the news or whatever but I have heard that you just have to be in the same room as someone who has a Delta variant to catch it. Um, Like don't have to make contact or anything like that. Right. So, and, and it's pretty, pretty virulent. It's, I've heard that, if one person in a family brings home the Delta, then everybody in the family gets it.
0: So, 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 but and, that, I mean that the the being in the same room part or the the no contact part was true about the virus in general, right? It was never a contact thing; it was yeah, always a breathing right. thing. But yeah, but they are saying the Delta is way more way more uh, infectious and and dangerous than the previous one. But they're still saying though that the the current vaccines still work fine for it. so. If you're vaccinated, at least as of today, you're OK. But but if you're not vaccinated, you're you could be in big trouble.
2: But it's the, I mean, being vaccinated is like a seatbelt in a car. You could still, you know, get seriously hurt, <laughs> you know, True. Uh, you yeah. wouldn't. I mean, it keeps you out of the hospital and keeps you from just plain plane dying. But, right. you know, right. but, but yeah, it is still good. Yeah.
3: Anyway. So are we done with the iPhone? <laughs> so 2014 for that uh, iPhone 6 and 6 Plus. Mm-hmm. So six years ago. I'm off by one year. I thought it was around five. Yeah, I think okay. it totally makes sense for there to be a super cycle here. Good quality devices and people yep. having a, a reason and, and some opportunity to, to upgrade. I, I could buy this this report. And... Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's all I think it's speculative, too, because, you know, Apple doesn't release their numbers, right? So not by model. No, they don't. They don't do that.
2: Alrighty, OK, let's move on to wrapping completion handlers with Async API. API, which is a link that I found here from uh, John Sundell, I believe. Is John by, yeah, he didn't is actually write it, w, but
0: it's by his it's Yeah, his it's
2: WWC, uh, nope. by Sundell and Friends. Yeah, this is written by, uh, I've got the name of the guy. It is, oh, yeah, Vincent. I'm going to go with Prelis. Anyway, that's, that's the name I'm going to attempt to say. Yeah, this is interesting. It talks about uh, some of the new things that are happening with, um, like, I guess that, that completion, hand, completion handlers is how we used to have to trail off, you know, these kind of calls before uh but now there's some new shiny ways of doing stuff like the old url uh session data data task you know you had to pass in a url request and you would get out a data or URL response and an error and returning void, whatever. Um, but now it's just, you know, a much more clean way of, or a quicker way of, of writing it out without, instead of having a completion handler, you're actually returning a data type of data and URL resource. So I um, and it obviously can throw because you can't have an error. But um, so anyway, I don't know if you guys have read this article, you probably can explain it better than me, but that's the gist I got from it. That um, yeah. it's a well, much, much more succinct way of writing. Right.
0: It. So async await is the new hotness that was, introduced at wbc uh so this article was specifically about how do you convert your existing uh methods that may take a completion handler so not using the apple apis but it's your your methods that you've written that take a completion handler how do you convert that into async await without having to rewrite all your code and so apple has provided a Pretty nice method that just makes that almost trivial. It's this um, method called uh, with checked continuation, and basically mm. you just so with with check continuation is a uh, marked async function. So so you can just you can await that, and this thing takes a closure where you put your old method that returns that uses a completion handler, and when that completion handler returns, a little bit funky. Then you call this continuation resume and it will just pick up where the function left and return the, return the result back. Or, and there's ways to make it throw as well. So it's yeah, it's kind of a cool thing. Um, but yeah, this the, just this article is 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 not so much about async await itself, but how do you make your old existing right, yeah
2: convert your functions
0: yeah. work with, with async
2: await. Yeah, yeah I missed that. I somehow I missed the the I only mentioned a couple of times in here the with check continuation function. Oh,
3: cool. Yeah, I mean the the key part of it is is way towards the bottom, uh, right above the conclusion, where you can see how nice the calling site looks, and that's the, the nice yeah. thing of going through all this effort, right. All right, and then how you got
2: some stuff. This well, I was—I posted this in here in case you hadn't. For some reason, I thought you hadn't posted it in here, but you have. I'll let you rip into it.
3: Yeah. So GitHub came out with its GitHub Copilot. A, uh What it says here on the tin is your AI pair programmer. And this seems pretty neat. It's apparently powered by uh, open AI. And it is kind of like that, um, you know, that that next step we need towards the Star Trek, the next generation style of, of computing right. it's like, computer, I need a table. No, I need it to be, you know, four feet high and five feet wide and, and make it out of wood instead of steel. This is getting scarily close to that, where you, you have this thing that is running some, uh, some machine learning algorithms on uh, you know, what you're writing there. So you write just a little bit of, here's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to you know, do sentiment analysis or uh, parse expenses or how many days are there between dates? And it has already been trained on this large volume of code that's out there. Presumably a lot of it open source through, uh, you know, hosted on GitHub itself. And yeah, it just sort it of fills GitHub. in like autocomplete on super steroids. You know, that, that's sort of how I, I think of it here. It's like, oh, you want to cover comments of the code? Yeah, I can do that. Oh, you don't want to do repetitive stuff like making all of these different dictionaries? Yeah, we can fill those out too. Um, it's it's pretty impressive to me.
0: It looks, um, it looks pretty magical. Um, I, you know, I wonder how well it works in real life i don't know i wonder
3: and is it gonna is
2: it gonna plug into like visual code editor and and things like xcode and stuff
3: it stuff like that so it's starting out uh right now it's actually in uh technical preview so not everybody can use this as of this very recording um right now they're focusing on visual studio code uh, but i don't really see reasons why they couldn't make it available elsewhere and will there be a paid version in the uh in the plus lifestyle that we all live nowadays Um, if the technical preview is successful our plan is to build a commercial version in the future so they want to use the the uh, preview of copilot to figure out how people use it so I mean, it sort of makes sense that you you would have those different options. I think that it's one of those things that makes uh, GitHub stickier. So, given that Microsoft is all about uh, um, you know Azure services and um, getting their their stuff everywhere, I would not be surprised to see this available elsewhere. But probably going to get the best experience if you're into that ecosystem. Right.
2: Cool. Yeah. Somebody at work described it as Stack uh, Overflow in your IDE, right there in your IDE.
3: Yeah, and I've seen some some fair criticisms uh, coming around, like you know, well. You know, This isn't the, you know, writing the code isn't the the hardest part. And and that's true. But I also like my autocomplete. I would never, ever go back to a world where we didn't have autocomplete, right? I mean, autocomplete is is making some. Educated guesses as to what it thinks you're trying to, to put out, which is why we always, you know, appreciate it back in the day, whenever it was that Xcode no longer gave you, you know, NSStream. No, because nobody ever used those compared to the, <laughs> the huge volume. Of, you know, There were dozens of us who did, I guess, but the, compared to the overwhelming, you know, millions of people who wanted NS string think of it this you know like being it's 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 bigger brother that's how i think of it like i wouldn't right. uh, just close my eyes write a few comments and then say oh my app is ready well no this isn't that this is you know spare me the the boilerplate spare me yeah. the having to think about like oh yeah that's right i need to, you know i need to initialize this thing totally forgot about that what
0: i think it's it's kind of like is is an automated version of in xcode where they have the code snippets that you can use uh just like i, I think probably most people don't actually use this. And I don't remember having used it more than once or twice, but but in the same way that you can in Interface Builder, you can grab items and drop it in. But oh, there's also a thing where you can. There's a whole bunch of like boilerplate code that Xcode will just provide to you that you can just drop in. Did you even know this
3: was there? That's true. Yeah, do you guys know the snippets. Yeah, yeah. but I don't think yeah. I've I've paid attention to how much power is there I usually. Yeah. have like, like well, made well, my own snippets. and you can make your own too, right? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, there's not a huge amount there of power, right? So, so if but this is kind of doing that. What you have to do there manually and with a limited set of choices this is automating for you. Uh, so if it actually works, it's actually pretty cool. You know, if you could have it just go off and find these random snippets of code for anything you want to do, uh, it's it's pretty cool. It could be a real time saver. It also runs the risk of people having a lot of code that they don't know how it works that just they throw in uh, into their right. into their code base, which
2: That's the stack happens runners, a lot. Yeah.
0: Yep, yep, yep. But it could be cool. With great power comes great responsibility, I suppose. Yeah, so <laughs> right. I
2: kind of wonder, yeah. like, you know, based on the fact that it says here in the article, I read it somewhere, that it, that it builds on you know um, the vast you know amounts of open code that's on github and, yeah. and I kind of wonder will it will it democratize or will it you know sanitize or what's the word I'm looking at, homogenize uh, the code that's out there because it's basically looking at the the, the best code of
0: like yeah. a lot of lot of different people well right? or who says it's the best code right it's curve I mean if yeah, it's yeah, curve fitting yeah, yeah. to yeah. if there's way more crappy code out there than good code and it's curve fitting to the crap to to the whole set then you're going to get something that's skewed towards the crappy code and the good
3: code, for yeah. sure.
2: Well, here, here's an example, Like, and this comes from my print print and publishing experience, and that is the standard, you know, color balance or color gamut that people work towards in, in Photoshop's and stuff like that back in the day was swap S-W-O-P. And what that was, and it was sort of like a standard that everybody would kind of target as, you know, the, the standard, you know, standard web offset press is what it stood for. But the reality was, they went around, and edited all the crappy offset printers in the United States, and came up with this, you know, lowest common denominator. That's that's what I mean about like. Are we going to end up with the lowest common denominator of code out there? If, if I mean not that everybody's going to rely on this thing, but that's potentially. The, I'm, I'm building on Jaime's crass comment in in uh, in our Slack channel that this is kind of like Skynet coding, right?
3: Skynet doesn't like the uh, the data structure you've chosen or whatever it was. I said, it yeah, wants, exactly. to use, wants to use a hash table instead of a linked list. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Lots of fun.
2: Uh, speaking of hash tables, so we were talking uh, at work, and uh, one of the guys did a demo on um, Mark's favorite thing from 2019. Team, which is difficult data source, yeah, and and I keep meaning to go and watch that video, but anyway, it had this demo the other day, and um, it's very cool that it, it's kind of like uh, it's similar to how SwiftUI is doing stuff with with lists and stuff of like that. Whereas you want to have a reference to something, you don't use um, index set, uh, index path anymore, right? You use uh, you assign a UID, uuID, and then you. Can update a table, for example, or a collection view just in the in inside the cell without having to reload the entire table, right? Got the gist of it, Mark.
0: What, a difficult data source. Yeah, I mean, that that's kind of a oh, very it's a very that's a small small piece of funny. it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. But yeah. I mean, just that alone is pretty cool, right? Yeah.
0: So. Yeah, I mean, the basic idea is that uh, the data source itself keeps track of the state, right? And you can you you use this concept of a snapshot uh, that has a, ch- a different state from your previous. State, however you, how, however you want to make it, uh, and then you just tell the data source to apply the state to your to your collection view or table view, right. and it goes and figures out how it has to change all all the cells and everything. So none of this. Remember, there was this batch updates or begin updates if it was
2: perform batches perform yeah, batches,
0: yeah, yeah. and, and batch you'd inevitably update, yeah. get it wrong at some point, get the count wrong, and you, the app would crash at some point while you're developing it. All that's gone because you just you just have to since it knows the previous state, you just have to give it a new state and it will automatically do the diff for you, Hel- hence the diffable data source. It will do the diff oh, yeah, right. and figure out all of the updates that it needs to do to make your collection view suddenly conform use the new data set from the old data right. set. Right. So like animated. if it has
2: to update or, or modify or delete a cell it no yep. or content it exactly it knows what to do. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yep.
3: Cool. Yep. All yep. right. Cool stuff. In, in in line with the um, the GitHub Copilot thing, I I view diffable data source as so somebody came up with the algorithm behind that back in like the 70s. And if you remember, longtime listeners to the show remember the IG list kit. So the Instagram folks yeah. mm-hmm. said, "Hey, we've got this problem. We want to make you know this thing really performant and re- reduce." Uh, crashes and etc and they also discovered this like you know dissertation or thesis or something from like the 1970s or something to say hey here's the algorithm we should use and they implemented it so good for them The whole data source is that in the apple ecosystem of, like never again shall anybody have to do, figure out how to do this because it's a solved problem so just adhere to this thing and i think it's pretty nice because we can mm-hmm. move up a, you know in the stack of like okay now what do we need to worry about we need, we need to worry about how to, how to put badges on these little icons here <laughs> the hard problems. Well, that's coming. That's coming. Coming. exactly i think it's coming in your next is that was that your clever segue i mean it, i don't know if it's clever i wouldn't make that claim but uh, <laughs> it was a segue <laughs> into all right this next article from uh five blog about what's new in SwiftUI. it's not necessarily comprehensive but it, it shows some of the interesting things and uh there's certainly nice things i think we've talked about in, in the previous episode about the new button style so getting a chance to see what that looks like is, is kind of cool Uh, The interface orientation for SwiftUI previews is is great. Just continuing that, that whole idea of like, look, just show me every possible combination I might have for this item so I can see while i'm typing it up and coding it uh what it looks like and i noticed the badges thing was like oh that's so great because everybody wants to add badges to their you know their tab bars or their lists and etc and i don't know uh that uh you know the next new hotness will be based off of this but at least from a basic utility i mean just dot badge the number one great you've got a badge with one yeah and it apparently which gave me the ooze and ahs, like oh it even works on lists too and it'll do the right thing in a list so that's pretty neat I like that stuff Good, uh, good quality of life uh, sort of thing for developers. Yeah, new new toggles coming as well. Easier ways
2: to call colors out. Um, yeah, different ways to, to style buttons. Yeah,
0: this fits in the same category of what we're talking about about the you know, the date format. The date formatters are now gone, right? They're, they've been right, replaced yeah. by just a method on date, which is you know just a quality of life improvement for our developers, as you said. Yeah, yeah, and
2: like dismissing views and stuff like that is now is now a simple. You know, almost like an enum enum value, right? Under error environment. It was, uh, was this the article that talked about, maybe it was the one previous to that, Um but we had the new property wrapper. Like la- last time, last WWC we got the new property wrappers, like the app state, what was that called? This is in dark mode now, so it doesn't look familiar to me. Um, yeah, so yeah, the property wrappers um, with r- optional raw representable, right? Representable. Um, we had the app storage and the scene storage stuff that was added last year, and uh, now we have this raw representable thing. Can you guys explain that? So it's like near the bottom of the article.
3: Yeah, the way I understand it is that you can have an option so property wrappers have an optional can be associated with optional raw representable type which would make it that you can have like an enum that doesn't have a default value i don't know what it says here in this example the picker will have no value selected at launch so the picker has a, a picker from uh, an enum of uh, cases of banana orange mango and you don't have to have any default or vaguely thinking of like okay and default equals one or default equals banana similar type things. okay yeah i think i follow you Hmm. all right move on Uh, another one of those quality of life ones uh also from the wwdc by sundell and friends this time actually written by john sundell um swift ui's async image or uh rendering remote Mm -hmm. images from urls which is one of those things that you will very commonly, see people get um, third-party software for right mm-hmm. in the old Objective C days. It would have been SD Web Image. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think yeah. Swift has a few different options like Kingfisher. Now you can just go rip those right out, assuming you're you know in a in a newer compatibility land for iOS, and you have an Async Image, which does pretty much what those did. Here is my URL. Go retrieve it for me asynchronously, and when you're done, display it. Um, And it is really cool that it does give you the power to have the uh, different phases. So you can decide, you know, what you want to do when maybe this thing might take a while to load. All right, cool. Well, I can define some, you know, progress view or spinner or something. What happens when it's a failure? You know, sometimes you want to show something by default. And of course, when it's successful, what do you want to do? You've got hooks to uh, to choose like, well, we're going to be going to change the aspect ratio or, you don't know, put a, an Instagram filter on it or something, right? It's up to you. But it's we're kind making of nice to see stuff this too easy. The platform. <laughs> too easy. So <laughs> let's, let's, let's go over that statement of like, w- w- why <laughs> why would we want it to be difficult? Is, well, is you a, wouldn't
0: want it to be difficult, but, but uh, you know, it's kind of a rite of passage to get your app working the right way and working through those subtle little bugs because you missed one tiny little thing like the classic one was with the Table view with the with the uh, asynchronously loaded images and reusable cells uh, where mm-hmm. your old cell would would uh, be recycled before the asynchronous call came back and suddenly your the wrong image would show up in your cell right remember that classic
3: bug that every, yeah, every
0: everyone had to figure that out at some point but now nobody has to figure that stuff out anymore <laughs> it's too easy
3: I think the rights <laughs> yeah. of passages uh, <laughs> change over time and you're right you know with difficult data source and async image I'd have a hard time imagining what it'd be like to, to create a bug in this case. Right. Um, Right. But I I don't know that I want to go as far as saying, you know, back in my day, yeah, occasionally our product ke- our product list would show the wrong images, and we liked it that way. Right.
2: <laughs> I was going to say, back in my day, you had to connect your data source and delegate to the table view view controller instead of just dragging it out of the library and having it already connected. That's <laughs> true. It's back true. in my day, yes, I remember back in my day, we had to you know actually count the number of references and you know rem- and remove them as we need as we as we popped them
3: off. Yeah. yeah, I came in right at the tail end of that. So we said earlier that 2011. Uh, 2011- first iphone for me was the iphone 4s they came on on board during the summer i think wwdc had had already occurred as i didn't you know attend or anything uh but i was able to make use of the resources and resources around that time had mrc uh, manual yeah account stuff and the newer stuff from wwdc had the arc stuff and so i always thought it was it was a little silly when i had these books these physical paper books mind you they I mean, like, so why do I have to do this retain thing and then this release thing? Like, this just seems like it's cluttering up my code. What, what yeah. does this do?
0: Well, you know, I will never argue that that ARC was a bad thing. It was a huge step forward, huge positive thing, but. It was the beginning, looking back at history, it was the beginning of the commoditization of iOS development that yeah, we've talked about yeah. on the show a lot. Before yeah. before Arc, iOS development was kind of hard because you had to understand all that memory management, and it was easy to get it wrong. Uh, and you didn't really understand what you were doing, your app would be crashing constantly uh, or have memory leaks for no end. Uh, And so, a real sign of someone who actually kind of knew what they were doing was whether they understood memory model. But with ARC, that kind of went away.
2: You know, it's funny. This pro tip for you, if you ever get an interview with me, but one of the questions I ask young developers all the time is, "How does memory management work in Swift?" And a lot of them are like, "Uh, "ARC," and then like a pause. (laughs) They don't even know what ARC stands for. Mm -hmm. You know, like Mm -hmm. yeah. So it's it's you're right. It's it's a tricky thing, but you know. Well, and and it's do do you need to know it? I mean, that's the other the other issue. I mean. Like, the whole idea behind this async image is, is, we all know, like, you could call for an image in a URL, and it may not be there, or it may, you know, return, it may come back busted or something, or partial, you know. Um, like you said, we had to deal with that, in those cases, right? Okay. But no, it's like, are we are we homogenizing and simplifying too much? Or are we doing it in such a way that you can go on to bigger problems, right?
3: Perhaps. Yeah, that's the approach I take to it. So I, I want to see even more in this area. Like, Okay, so... What we really need to just be dead simple so that anybody off, you know, off the street uh, to Mark's point can can do iOS development is like, I just want, you know, lists, basically old school table view stuff. I want lists that are smart about prefetching their content so it's ready when we want it. They're grabbing their resources asynchronously, but even further than that, being intelligent to realize, hey, you know what? The user just scrolled from the zeroth item to the hundredth item. We can go ahead and cancel or pause or delay in some other case. The uh, you know zero to ninety nine. Let's go ahead and start fetching the one hundredth and the you know through the one hundred and tenth element or reprioritize them or et cetera, so that we don't have to spend time you know tinkering with and messing around with that, and we can build the other parts of the app that we really want to do. You know, not the uh, not the parts that's that's sort of you know necessary but not sufficient to have a good quality app. But you know, I you know, Mark, I think something you said there made me think about. Um, some of the early days of iOS development, where I think that you're quite right. People who really understood who how um, manual reference counting worked were really the ones who created those high quality, polished apps in the early days of the store, and they were pretty unique because I think by and large most of those people had come from the Mac OS development yeah. world, right? Yeah. So they had this enormous entrenched advantage over everybody else who was like stumbling to get learn you know learn what's going on like what the heck <laughs> what's this yeah, retain yeah, release it, it's, thing
0: it's kind of funny they went from just within a year they went from being considered like the the biggest outcast in the software development world right the people right, who are still yeah, developing yeah. an objective C for the Mac were just really considered like out there and just old school and dinosaurs uh Within a space of a year, those people went from that to being super in demand and you know, able to write an app that could make them a million bucks overnight. Amazing.
3: Yeah. 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 Speaking of making a million bucks overnight, I huh, mean, no, that is a good segue. That's a good mm. call to, say right <laughs> there to our, our next article here. Uh, we'll have in the show notes for those of you uh, driving at home. Uh, this is from App Figures. It is entitled, What's New in iOS 15 for App Store Optimization? And I think this is really good to show it. So Apple, I think, sort of breezed. Again, I've not watched the session myself, but it's at least in the keynote and the, or maybe the platform State of Union, I feel like they really breezed past this uh, part, given how much content is here. So I appreciated seeing some of the options of like, okay, in-app events in search results, uh, more stuff about search results. The uh, the App Store widget, like, let's be honest, that's not a winner to me. <laughs> I'm going right past that one. Custom product pages is one that, that really stuck out to me, that you can have up to 35 of these. So I think that's a, a very... Uh, well-selected number because when it comes to major sports leagues, you tend to have around 30 to 32 teams. So you could have, individual, you know, I could have like a Seattle Mariners or Seattle Kraken, uh, you know, themed app page, uh, you know, trying to invite local folks and the A-B testing with product page optimization. I think these are the the big winners for folks. It comes to this feature hmm. yeah i mean you know no uh no shade thrown on the folks who are you know big enough to have like in-app events that people might actually really be serious about thinking think you know, like pokemon go and stuff but this is for uh, this is for the normal folks right the casual folks right indie folks yep. who are you know pulling themselves up by their own bootstraps custom product pages and ab testing these are things you can actually do and probably see some uh, some benefit from yeah definitely i mean like like i think i think
2: trying to get yourself get your app recognized on the App Store is, is a huge task, right? I mean, like, like I, I, I don't know if it's still true, but like when I, I'm sure when Mark was first publishing apps, you know, you got an Im- immediate spike on day one kind of deal and then yep. it kind of fizzled down to like nothing and then it just kind of cruises along, right? Um, And becomes pizza money, right? Um, but yeah I mean a b testing is something you know we've been doing on the web for for millennia it seems um, you know having two different and then trying to see you know out of the two styles which one seems to have more traction than the other right um, this' is kind of an interesting and I'm just i'm curious about this widget thing that you skipped over though Jaime. is that about getting featured or, or is that something you can actually supply to Apple and then they'll pick it up right get featured in the app store lots of visibility. I mean
3: so there is a, a new app store widget right that, that will show featured items so I guess if you're fortunate enough to get featured Oh,
2: I, are you saying oh yeah this is this is only what appear on your on your, your desktop on your your iPad or
3: Yeah, which I mean
2: Okay, gotcha. I'm sure
3: there's people who who you know enjoy and this sort of thing. I I personally will not go out of my way to say hey, what if I had the yeah. uh, Again, no shade towards the editorial folks over at, at uh, Apple. They do some cool stuff when I go into the App yeah. Store from time to time, but I just I just don't know that I would have a widget to to highlight this as part of my day. You mean oh you mean have it on your your phone yourself like yeah it's for other people not
2: me I don't I don't I yeah, don't want categories in like that you're interested in like kid games or something like that like that's the the big challenge for us is like finding something that that's suitable for a six year old kid right um I feel in like in the answer way. for
3: that particular use case is plunking down the money for uh, Apple Arcade and say here go go try all of these <laughs> there's hundreds of them <laughs> well no there is alone I mean, if you've tried every uh, single uh, one of ha- them
2: hang on whoa 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 back back up because because I can tell you I have Apple Arcade and there is not a lot of apps for young children in Apple Arcade.
3: Oh, okay. So I I, yeah. I stand corrected. I I just assumed you that do. was <laughs> one of the big things for them is that they, it doesn't have to be the you would think uh, you know, right you would think so 457 uh, Well app. see
2: I don't know I don't know what the criteria I, to be uh, personally I don't know what the criteria to get uh, an app into App Arcade is about I mean like I don't know have, have we, have we talked about that before I don't know that that what do you have to do to get your app into that sort of that world right so I I thought it was like a almost like an elite club of people who who have the inside edge on how to get in there right or does it have to does a game have to be built in a certain way or have traction right like like some publishers I know that, that have been picked up and have arcade apps also have very successful games,
3: for example, in the regular iOS app, right? Yeah, I think it was more akin to the publisher studio kind of model where I don't think you can submit your app necessarily to, uh, to be included in Apple or arcade. I think it's more like, don't call us, we'll call you. Apple would notice you and say, hey, we sure would love for you to be in arcade can you make this game exclusively for us or can you take this existing game that has good ideas and just remove all the IAP and, uh, you know, make it a part of arcade. I think that's how it works. I don't, I can can tell you like, like could be, but
2: I can talk about this a bit too. And I think Mark can too, is that, you know, like the whole idea of getting featured on the app store, I've been featured on the app store for a number of apps, like one of my, one of squad was, was featured once, you know, um, the strombo app was featured once um some of our two life ones were featured and we used to talk to apple here in canada anyway about how to get featured and they would say you know like they're always looking for people who are utilizing the latest you know frameworks and and tools that they give us right so you know don't expect to get featured if your app hasn't been updated in three years or kind of thing and and you know Make sure you use all the new stuff that, that, or try to use the new stuff that Apple introduces every year at, at WWC and, and, you know, the the various events, right? Um, you know, like, you know, we've had the large type thing, now we have dark mode, now we have accessibility, a big push on accessibility this year. Those are the kind of things that Apple's going to pay attention to, as well as, of course, you know, you've got a cool app. I mean, G-Squad was, was featured in Canada for a, a while because it had a very Canadian-ness, Canadian sort of theme to it. Right. Um, I mean, it was kind of a janky app and, but, but still Apple picked it up and somebody, somebody in the app store saw it and, you know, decided to feature it, which was great, you know? Um, but what Mark, I know you, your, your music apps have been uh, yeah, featured. A, a number
0: of my apps were featured actually, uh, in the early days, I have to say it was, it was relatively easy to get featured, uh, because there wasn't as much out there and there was a lot of junk out there. <laughs> no right. offense right. to anyone who, who published something back then, but, uh, but so in the early days um it seemed like if you had something that was a little bit niche and so a little bit out, you know out of the ordinary and it was a quality at least a decent app there's a pretty good chance of getting featured in your category which which wasn't too hard it was it was actually quite hard to get featured on a on a full app store level uh in other words there was the like the front page of the app store at the time. Uh, there were there was a there was this one category of the real featured apps where you would Apple would come to you and get extra artwork and they'd feature you on the feature you on the front page. That was quite difficult to do. But to be featured as a category in a category actually was not that hard. So
3: right, yeah. Yeah.
0: So um yeah, a bunch of my apps did that. I was only on the on the front page of the app store once. Uh that was with my look again app. Um and Interestingly enough, I'm not sure whether it was chicken or the egg, but but we got some really good pre- actually that was how we met originally tim uh, yeah. ironically yeah this this exact uh we had a we had we had been putting out apps and had gotten you know some good features and some good you know good press just random randomly not so randomly we would submit to review sites uh so when it came out with this app, we kind of did a, a pre-meeting at Macworld with one of the more well-known bloggers at the time, app bloggers. Uh, and he liked the app, so he wrote about it before it was ever released. Uh, and then, when it finally was released, we got a nice big bump, and Apple put us on the front page of the App Store, which was nice, which was yeah. fantastic. Uh, I, like I said, I don't know whether it was just like Apple liked the app too, or. Were they reading the same blog? <laughs> Probably they were just reading the same blog. And that's how they maybe, found out maybe. about it. Yeah. yeah. But there was one one thing that was actually extra nice was uh, they, they had these, every year they'd had these cat- different categories uh, outside of the, you know, just the regular app categories. They would have like special lists of things and they would have every year they'd have a best back-to-school apps. Uh, so for three years in a row, uh, one of my apps, um, sorry, Scales and Modes, which was my music theory app, was featured as a best back-to-school app in the music category. That was nice for you know three years in a row. So even though it, yeah. was, it wasn't a new app, at the time by the third year it was still in there after the third year it was kind of getting kind of long in the tooth and, and so it never happened yeah but it moment. had
2: a un- unique style to it i mean because i don't people weren't really talking about scales and modes that much you know right you know now now we've got rick beato on youtube talking about it all the time but <laughs> yeah you know yep
0: yeah, yep yeah. Yeah. so yeah like i said back then if you if you were a little bit unusual a little bit out of the ordinary and a decent app then yeah you had a pretty good chance of getting featured in your category
2: yeah like we did we did an app on about so we had an app for couples with the just of our our first magazine app was and and uh so when will and kate you know middleton got married um, we got featured in the UK and in Canada. We couldn't crack the US app store mm. in terms of getting featured but but because there were apps you know covering covering the Royal wedding at the time but uh, but yeah we, we like I said we, I think we got we were on the news and stuff like that and you know I think you know I was I, ironically the day they came in to um, to film us for for CTV news here in Toronto about having built this app I, I was in, I was asked to come into the studio and sit there and you know look, look like a developer and whatever doing my thing ironically at the moment when the cameras came through the wwdc dc tickets went on sale uh-huh. and so so there i if you you know i was actually buying my ticket for wwdc while this was happening so mm-hmm. yeah it's kind of funny I, wasn't really work- I was i was working as a developer right so <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Cool. Any any more on that one there, Jaime? No. I think that's that's good coverage. We've nailed it. All right. Cool. So let's move on to our picks.
0: Okay. So my pick is WWDC 21 lounges. So if you remember back at WWDC, they had these things called lounges, uh, which were basically online chat areas where you could ask questions of Apple developers and hopefully get an answer. Uh, and they they were really supposed to be kind of a transient thing. They were just kind of as it happened at WWDC. But a couple of enterprise Folks, uh, I guess scraped all of the content while it was still up and have now put it up on GitHub. So it's still available to be perused at your leisure. And I haven't really dug in too deeply yet, but it looks like there's some interesting stuff here. There's a Swift UI lounge QAs and an accessibility lounge qas and uh dev tools lounge qas so could be some interesting stuff in there
2: yeah leo was talking about i think he he attended or tried to attend the the playground one because we were talking about the the, what was it the xcode playground what was the thing we talked about oh oh ipad playground where you could switch playground on the ipad that's what it was where you in future you'll be able to code right on the ipad right Mm -hmm. create apps and stuff Mm -hmm. and the team was 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 there that one i think the night we were recording leo was talking about that
3: Mm. cool so that's my pick. Yeah, I, I, it's unfortunate that they um, they didn't make that just part of the history. I, I can imagine there probably are reasons why to just, you know, this is dipping their toes in the water and limiting risk and etc. But, uh, you know, nature finds a way and clearly has here. where People thought about that and said, well, we just, you know, sometimes this stuff is the best reference. Uh, stuff from WWDC, even as the uh, the docs continue to improve and etc but sometimes like look I, I know they talked about this thing where was it i you know, like having uh, non-ephemeral and also searchable ways of finding hey i know they they talked about something related to swift ui you know right like, like when should i use this environment object or not I was like, oh okay there you go i, I see the answer now It's very helpful I, I like this sort of thing
2: yeah i'm just looking at my slack app is, is are the channels gone do you know i was under the
3: impression that they were
2: yeah they seem to be compl- it's funny they seem to have just disappeared off my app oh wait no here's one wwc21 yeah interesting just disappeared that's uh that's um app management on the
3: fly, cool All right, so what do you got first for a pick coming? yeah, um, mine is for people like me, so if you have only seen a handful if that of session videos from w w d c and you're thinking, how should I even approach this now? Uh, I guess you know while you're live during the the week of w w d c it's kind of natural to watch per day right here's monday let's watch monday's content, whatever I feel is is interesting Tuesday, same thing, Thursday, you get the idea but once the the entire set of content is out there and available. It could be pretty overwhelming to say, oh, I don't know that I have time to watch all of them. What should I watch? And uh, userloaf.com here has come up with this viewing guide and very helpfully not only gives the links to things in nice categories like Swift, Swift UI, iPad Watch watchOS, but also gives... A little bit of explanation in my mind in some uh plain language of like this is what this thing is right this is why you should care which They're i think those
2: notes right what's that or cliff notes i guess cliff notes yeah it's a, that's
3: a good people still use those anymore do they still sell those that this is this is this know. is pre-internet kids <laughs> back in my day you couldn't just watch a 10-minute youtube video to see you know what you should put in your book report um (laughs) or 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 watch the the movie version of some you know shakespeare play no you you actually had to read the book or the play or you'd go get the cliff's notes version that barnes and nobles or borders or something and it would give you the basic gist right the tldr too long didn't read quite literally uh you know what is this about and i like this this idea tim the, the cliff notes version of what was the wdc covered in handy links briefly said oh you know i really do want to know what's this xcloud thing let me go take a look at this this sets of videos, and there's three of them so easy to find
2: yeah for sure i mean i was I was gonna s- s- suggest we go through and, and look at our developer apps and see what what show what uh videos we watched but i i ended up watching a ton of them and and Some that weren't on my book, Uh, like, you know, I'd watch a video and then or I'd see something on Twitter about somebody would say something about, oh, you got to go check this one out or or even on the show. I mean, Mark mentioned a couple of couple. On well, the last episode, I went back and watched them again, right? So, like, Doxy, I completely missed what Doxy was about until I went back and, and watched a few of the videos. That so looks pretty cool. But, um, yeah, and, and uh, like, the, the, the one I was interested in was the Mac, building Mac fundamentals. Um, I started working on it, and I couldn't figure out why the code wouldn't compile. And then I realized, oh, yeah, you need to have, you know, Monterey loaded up, and you need to have iOS 13 loaded up, because it's a Mac app, duh. Um, So I did actually, I ended up putting Monterey on my Mac, but I haven't really gone back to it since I, since I did that. But yeah, this is, it's kind of cool because like, yeah, it says here, like, you know, two part code long on building a Mac using SwiftUI makes it familiar ground for iOS developers, right? So um, that's the gist of what these two sessions are about. And it kind of, I think the developer app kind of explains what each one is as well. But yeah, this is sort of, and it's sort of clumped them into categories. If I'm not mistaken, I think the developer app does actually do them in in groups too. Yeah, like down the side, there's like, they've got like essentials and then they've prototyping, for instance, they've got in here. And they and they don't just include 2021, they also include 20, 20, 2019, 2018, 2017 as well. So, so kudos to the Mac developer app for that too. But yeah, this is a this is, um, cool, uh, cool cheat note thing here for sure how about you mark anything stand out that you uh besides app kit for about this site or you... in general WWC in general
0: oh well we talked about this a lot um already so I haven't really done too much beyond what, my watching in the first couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, since then, uh, but uh, I am definitely, I definitely thought some of the iPad stuff was pretty cool, although there wasn't a huge amount of it. Uh, obviously, the the Swifty on the async await stuff was pretty amazing. Looking forward to Xcode Cloud, although that could be a long time away. I suspect it will be a long time away for me. But yeah, sorry, don't have a lot of new input.
2: Yeah, I'm just looking through my list here on on my list of bookmarks and the ones that I've watched. I say, I wonder if this is all everything I watch. watched. I, t- I did watch a ton of them, but you know, it's kind of like you got to take a rest and come back to it later, right? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> unless you use it, you don't really. Uh, I find you can't really uh, get into it too much. I, I watched a lot of the stuff on on um, in later things, later shows. What oh, is this? Twenty twenty? I mean, I was looking at what, what's new in Objective C. I'm like, what? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> That's from twenty twenty. All right. Anywho. Okay. So my pick. Uh, we were talking about uh, Swift Package Manager at work today, and uh, friend, my friend Eric pointed out that he's been he's been building some tools for us at, the, at work looking forward to using swift patch swift package manager in our, in our coding and this is i think a site and I've, I've linked to the blog here but the actual basic site um it's kind of it reminds me a bit of of um uh CocoaPod's site right because it's basically got a listing of recently added um swift packages like open source for Swift packages. Oh, here's Balmo. I know the the author of Balmo. He he spoke at NS North a few years ago. Um, like Markdown Kit is one, for example, or Google App Measurement is another one that's just recently been released. And it's basically a search engine. You can type in what you're looking for, and uh, and it'll show whether or not there's a Swift package that matches what you're looking for. And if you if you click on any one of them or find one, it tells you kind of sort of what it does. Like here, Balmain. Um Balmo was a, was a pick on our show once, and and uh, beautiful. Easily attributed strings in Swift is is the description here, and then it shows you know below it um, you know the compatibility with which versions of Swift. It works with in this case five point four or five point three. It also works on iOS, macOS, macOS arm and Intel, as well as tvOS. Um, and then it shows the current version, and then also a description of what it does. And and so there's like sort of a like a readme kind of style page where, you know, explains how to use it and that kind of stuff. So I just like I said, this reminds me very much of the Coco Pods, main Coco Pods site. I don't know if you guys ever gone over there to look for something. Um, but yeah, it gives you the link to the actual package, and away you go. So it's kind of cool that you can uh, search for stuff inside of Swift Package Manager. As it, as it becomes more, you know, I think it's, I think Swift Package Manager has arrived. I don't know if you guys agree or not. What do you think?
0: Seems like it. Yes, Apple's definitely pushing it with the with the integration into X, X Cloud, Xcode Cloud, and uh, uh, Playgrounds. Playgrounds. Yeah. Yep.
3: Yeah. Yep. Cool. Comment timing. Yeah, I think just I think it's similar to Swift and Swift UI and, and other things where there's it's just sort of that tipping point right and, and apple really helps when it does things like oh yeah like you can use swift package manager for um the swift playgrounds on the mac but not like Cocoa Pots, right so it's similar to oh you can uh, what, what was swift ui only first whatever the first thing was i don't even remember anymore because swift ui just seems like it's just like a natural part of yeah you know when you're doing stuff you're you're going to want to do swift ui um Certainly, if you're going to build a totally brand new app, you don't have to worry about backwards compatibility by the time you, you work through the, you know, the details of what you want to do with your app. You know, we're coming up on September pretty soon here in just a couple months. So, yeah, sure. is it worse, you know? trying to go back to ios 10 or some other nutty thing probably not you know i mean if you've, if you've got billions of users like a instagram or a facebook or a twitter i mean sure right because the, the cost is 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 different but you know i do think that things like like this are, are helpful especially as it all starts to come together right like right now you probably could find the thing you wanted you know in coco pods not necessarily find it in swift package manager that's true becomes increasingly less true as time goes on as more people start sort of seeing where 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 the puck is going right and say oh it- should I do this new project or this updated version of a project in Cocoa Pines? Eh, maybe not. I just switch over to Package Manager. We're going to make it available there. And then it just becomes this this flywheel effect, right? Where now the next project is like, oh yeah, we should just do Swift Package Manager. Oh yeah, they're doing, we should, right? And it just goes on and on. So um, I, I think it's it's certainly come of age in terms of, it's not a silly uh, uh, side gig sort of thing anymore for folks. It's like, oh no, no, we're, we're legitimately using this. This is a, a big part of how we're going to build apps. Um,
2: yeah. And I didn't talk about the fact that, that there you can rate like are ratings here. Like there's like Bon Mall's got like 3,600 stars. So I don't know what the, the scale of that is, but at least, you know, you've got 3,600 other people who have used this. But coming back to the uh, back in my day kind of comment. Um. I notice here that it says indexing over 3,800 packages, and uh, which represents over 59,000 versions. I remember looking at the internet, looking something up on the internet, and said like, you know, there's like, I can't remember if it was like a million pages it was being indexed back in the 90s, you know. So I remember looking at the internet going, oh, look at all those pages there and sunny. But, uh, you know, now, of course, there's billions of pages, right? So it's kind of like, to mark this moment in time, this is June 30th, 2021. There are 3,800 packages listed on this with package index. So I have to keep that as a marker, right? Six years from now, when we're talking about it, we can look back in this episode. <laughs> back in my day. Alrighty. Oh, I guess that's it for another week. So, hey, how many people want to get in touch with you? Where would they find you? I'm on Twitter as at Dev of the Hair. All right. Mark, people want to get in touch with you? Mark R. at
0: Snapsoft.com.
2: All right. Once again, my name is Tim Mitra. Still is Tim Mitra. Tim Mitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A. On the Twitter machine is where you'll find me. And so until next time, we'll say bye-bye.
1: Bye. 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 This has been another episode of the More Than Just Code podcast. If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fireside.fm. There you can find a summary and show notes of each episode. We list links to the apps, code, and news that we mentioned on the show. If you like the podcast, tell your friends, leave a comment on the website, or write a review on iTunes. And please recommend us in your favorite podcatcher. All of these things help others find out about the show. We really appreciate your help with spreading the word.
2: What I was saying I think I've told you this sort of story before but I have this 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 situation on my Mac where I plug I have like a it's a it's one of these hub things with two USBs on the one side and I leave my microphone and PA and everything plugged in and my keyboard and my and my um, my you know uh, what do you call it, display port monitor and all that kind of stuff so so when i grab this and go over the couch i just quickly unplug it and go right and sit down and when i come back it never well, sorry not ever it rarely remembers my audio settings right so when i come back and i sit down and i turn on my my usb mic um like just now the master volume was like right down to nothing and then the playback volume in my head was like turned up to like 11 you know <laughs> so it's like what so i often i sit down at the computer and i and it's usually one speaker this today it was both speakers in stereo which is like new so uh, is that an improvement i don't know but uh yeah it's just it's just weird every time i sit down at the computer and, and plug my audio stuff in i have to make sure i do it well in advance and and check the audio settings i think i think i talked about this before right? that i have to go in and do like uh write an apple script or something to to have it just push push a button and have it set up all the stuff I'm, I'm sure this is this app is scriptable this
0: is one from apple right push the button. Hmm? Never mind. Obscure reference. Push the button? Mm-hmm.
3: I didn't get it either, so you're okay, Tim. here. Galvanized by the Chemical Brothers? No, sorry. You I'm might, aware of the I Chemical Brothers. I don't know heard their it. songs too much.
0: You might well. know it if you heard I it. might.
2: Probably. But the only only Chemical Brothers I know off the top of my head is the theme from the, the Lost in Space movie that they made. The really bad one. I mean, you know, unless you're a Lost in Space fan like I am, and then they're all good, right?
3: <laughs> anyway... So how you been? Good. Both of you. Either one. Okay. Okay. How's the temperature there, Jaime? It is nicer. It is uh, down in the seventies today, mm. which is good because over the weekend and Monday being the worst uh, part of this mm. week was uh, in the hundreds, just yeah. unusual here. I think it was record breaking. Yeah,
0: we had some high nineties. I don't think it ever broke a hundred here, but it was yeah, high nineties, pretty pretty nasty.
2: So it kind of broke records in Vancouver, like they're talking about a Canadian heat dome or something like that, or did, is that the kind of craziness? Like it was forty something, forty four, which Celsius, which is like I don't know, fifty dollars Canadian or american um let's get the PCalp app out and figure this out
3: 111 fahrenheit if it was 44 it? celsius wow that's
2: yeah. Hot. yeah yeah what, what did you have in seattle though because i mean you're not that far
3: right i then? don't recall what the actual value was i think it was around 109 110 i, I don't know i'd have to look well, to see what, pretty what hot. the record was but the whole heat dome you're talking about hit the entire Pacific Northwest from Vancouver and British right. Columbia through Seattle down to Portland, Oregon. Everybody was suffering.
2: Yeah, I didn't think it was an exclusive thing, but yeah.
3: And it's not. No, no, and I mean, it's but it's, it's hard driving. to tell. No, not at all. It was humid. 50 some percent Ugh. humidity, dew point probably in the 60s. Wow. Yeah, it was. was wow, we wow, wow. All Do right. you
0: have AC at your house?
3: We don't have ac um i don't even really have good space for like a little unit so we're mostly oh, yeah. dealing with other methods um, our area was okay we've got some trees around us so it it helped mm-hmm. um but you know there's concrete jungle areas that people were definitely suffering real real hard they had um the libraries kept open for extended hours so people could be there be cool in the air conditioner there were uh, cooling uh, places that had opened up like just like big warehouses with air conditioner and it's kind of a, a full full community job to keep people doing okay can you imagine
0: if it was last year when we were still in full lockdown that would have been awful
3: yeah yeah because at least people could get out and go to places like you know we have very cold waters here um so going to the beach is, is helpful in that case mm-hmm. still dangerous because your body gets shocked going from you know, <laughs> right. like 100 to 45 degrees but uh, at least it's plausible to do something about it yeah Mark. so i'm curious about one thing is i had seen some canadians say that uh canadian houses to to no one's surprise are built to contain heat at all costs right which sort of makes sense because it's 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 cold in the it dark. depends
2: on where you live right like vancouver is not quite that that way but vancouver's a lot of wood construction whereas ontario quebec and places like that are. yeah they were generally made of um brick and stone and you know insulated and whatever
3: yeah but I, i'm guessing doesn't the insulation work both ways though like if you can get your house cool which is maybe the biggest problem if you can get it cool won't it tend to stay cool because of that insulation yes
2: yes, yes. okay i mean that said i mean i live in a house that's 100 and more, more than 110 years old yeah let's say 110 for argument's sake um and uh like it's surprisingly not insulated, considering like you know it's like it's a couple of layers of brick which are not really that thermally you know or, or we have r ratings, I don't know if you guys use those in the states, but um and then you know like plaster and lath, which again is like not really uh, heavily insulated right so as we as we retrofit these these houses, we put in lots of you know fiberglass or mineral wool insulation and and you know vapor barrier to them to keep the moisture in and all that kind of stuff right so um yeah, I mean, so as we've gone through, like I, the house I live in now, we have we only have windows on the on the east and west sides, not because I'm you know. A very thin long house and so when it gets cold it tends to stay cold when it gets hot it tends to stay hot right so you know um, but yeah I mean the the whole trick to air conditioning in our environment probably in marks too is the first thing you have to do is heat the, it always cool the room and then it starts to, to feel cool right so you can't like just turn on air conditioning and have it air con- and cool your house and the same thing with heat I think you have to sort of heat heat the wood and the surfaces and whatever to be able to return heat heat air forced air heat seems to feel better than, than air conditioning does when it first kicks in, like I can tell you right now, our house is like we're like 50 60 percent humidity in the house, even though we've been running air conditioning for the last you know three, four days, right? But yeah, what's it so like in in where you are, Mark, you obviously have um, air conditioning, right?
0: Yeah, I've got I've got air conditioning. Although you know when it's hundred degrees, it it kind of can't keep up. Unfortunately, it's not that good. Maybe I just need to get it to get the get the the coolant recharge or something like that. But but uh, we had a few hot days that were like I said, high nineties that were kind of nasty and, and humid but it's cooled off quite a bit. It's probably been in the 70s this week. It's not bad, not bad.
3: Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. We've been up and down. I mean, it's supposed to go down to 17 degrees tonight, like, which is relatively cool compared to, that's like a cool night in San Francisco kind of thing, right? So there's like 19 degrees Celsius is sort of, is what California, or um, San Francisco usually is, like 68, 70 degrees, I guess, you know?
0: Well, San Francisco is usually a little bit colder than that. Uh, (laughs) Everywhere else outside of San Francisco is is like that.
2: Yeah, uh, (laughs) well, I know, like Sacramento. it's like like blazing hot stuff yeah but yeah
0: yeah. san jose gets kind of hot too because we're kind of in a valley uh, Mm, you know where there's mountains between us and the in the ocean and then there's and there's um, another set of mountains on the inside of the bay and and so you know the heat gets kind of gets trapped in between the mountains it can get get pretty hot here
2: yeah just using pecal cure to Calculate temperature. Uh, Nineteen degrees is sixty-six Fahrenheit. So roughly, give or take, give or take a degree point or whatever. Mm-hmm. There we go. Another one in the can. Hopefully, it all recorded properly. And everything too. <laughs> so it's interesting. I could hear some crackling in, like in during the show. Remember, I said, I said sometimes I hear static in my own recording. I wonder yeah. if I wonder if that was what I was hearing. And what, so being, what? I've
0: found that that is usually caused on Zoom when you do some do something very memory intensive, like running the simulator. Yeah, it causes. Well, that. we talked
2: about that core audio d yeah. bug right
0: yeah, I never tried that as a fix. Did you ever try it? Did it work?
2: Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, so sometimes when I'm, when I'm listening to audio like YouTube or whatever or watching a WWDC video, it'll actually be very crackly audio. Mm. So, yeah, I've gone in and, and, and uh, forced that to quit because it does seem to be running. But you're right. I, I quit just before the show. Oh, Simulator is running. Damn it. <laughs> mm. Whoops. Well, that's going to be fun to edit. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I've, I've had uh, I've had that before. Let me see. This activity viewers, I hope we found it, right? I quit. Like I said, I quit Xcode. I just assumed i guess but, uh, that uh, simulator would quit as well oh well core audio oh look at all the core audio demons running crap <laughs> wow it's a lot of them yeah 53 thousand 53 hours on my on my uh oh man oh well <laughs> that was fun yeah 53 hours of cpu time it's been running crazy oh wait it's quit but it didn't quit the app it quit the activity viewer all the more reason to hate stupid core audio thing you, D, how do I get it quick? Double click you.
3: Yeah, wait. Yeah. 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 Can you hear us?
0: You guys are, are you guys on Big Sur? Are you on Big Sur? I would hope by now.
3: Yeah. I believe I am. I don't think I'm on the latest. Uh, so I've, three I've been having a thing to go on through.
0: Big Sur where the Finder will crash.
3: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: And yeah. So other apps continue running, but the Finder itself crashes and there's nothing you can do except restart your machine. Really? Oh, I've not had that yeah. before. I've had it. So anytime you you click on the finder, you get a beach ball. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You try to go to force quit, you get a beach ball. Really? Because <laughs> it's part of the finder. Huh. Yep. Wow. Yeah. I, I've had more problems with Big Sur mm. than I've ever had with a Mac OS ever. Are you on
2: your M1 or on the M1? Really? Yep. Yeah, yep. Well, you don't have yep. any choice, do you? Nope. nope. Huh? I've I've had Finder crashes and stuff like that, you know, for a while too, as well.
0: Yeah. Hmm. I was having that problem where where the uh, the mouse would just stop, yeah, responding to clicks. Yeah. Right. Same. Yeah, I've had I have problems where I can't I can never just restart my machine because it just hangs and I have to physically use the button mm-hmm. the power down button to restart it. Pretty much every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's bad.
3: You know, I haven't had those issues, but I'm also still running on an Intel. You're running on the
0: yeah. Although I have the M1 online, right. I've seen people reporting the same issues on Intel machines. Uh, I don't know. It may be hardware dependent.
3: Hmm. I yeah, wonder what the it
0: combination could be hardware, is that it could causes be it. Just to... some app I'm running, or something. Just it's
2: annoying. a hmm. handheld that runs Big Sir. You're looking at your link here. I mean, friends of the show, little puppy. Oh, look at that little guy. Is that a Rottweiler, I guess? Cool. What else is new and exciting? Are we still recording? <laughs> uh, we can stop. I got nothing specific. We, we do have, have to. We, can we, can yeah, we are Let's still say. recording. Yeah. We, can say, we can say goodbye. Say goodbye. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> okay. Bye. All right. We're not. Okay. Bye.
3: I wonder, I mean, I wonder if Zoom stopped recording, recording when I when did that.
2: Stop recording. Okay. And quick
4: time.